Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jason Hale, and I'm the Nolensville Campus Pastor here at Rolling Hills. These past few weeks, we've been talking about celebration, goodness, and gratitude, and today we're gonna look at how those things can be seen in God's church. God created us to be in community, and he created his church to be a place where his goodness is on display through his people. So let's jump into the third chapter of 1 Thessalonians and see what God has to teach us. Thank you for joining us. Well, good morning to you guys. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. My name is Jason. For those of you that I've not had a chance to meet before, I'm the campus pastor here at our Nolensville campus. And so I'm so grateful that you are here with us this morning. I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of celebrating. Where are the people in the room that like to celebrate? I know who you are. Wow. This is the most celebratory crowd of all three. So congratulations. Some of you guys are the type of people that you celebrate your birthday all month long. You know who you are. You have an April birthday and March 31st, you start and it is just a celebration nonstop. We, we make birthdays a really big deal in our house. My daughter turned eight this year back in September. And so a good 10 days before her birthday, we hung up the birthday banner. And then a week before her birthday, my parents came in from out of town. So of course we did cake, gifts, went out to dinner, all the things. And then the weekend of her birthday, her second grade friends came over. And so we did cake and presents and food and all the things. And then Sunday was her birthday and we had cake and presents and went out to dinner and all the things. And y'all, Monday morning, there was like a zombie rising in our house (laughs) after the week that she had just had. And she looked at me with these eyes and said, Daddy, do I have to go to school today? And I said, yes, you do. I said, this is a valuable life lesson. Birthdays are awesome, but they end. Vacations, weekends, awesome, but we have to get back to the real world. God bless you. Have an awesome Monday. As I was praying for the teachers as she went to get on the bus. I think about those moments that we celebrate. One of the more fun things that I ever got to celebrate was back in 2012. I was leading a mission trip down to New Orleans in a very interesting turn of events. The final four happened to coincide with while we were on our mission trip in New Orleans. It was not planned that way. People told me that it was planned that way. I promise it was not planned that way. But my beloved Kentucky Wildcats happened to be in the final four. They won their first game. And the championship was in New Orleans while I was there for a mission trip. So obviously I had to go. And I was thinking to myself, but I don't want to be like the leader that does something that nobody else, you know, I don't want to be the guy who says, I'm going to the game if everybody else wants to go. And so I was like, hey, if anybody wants to go to the game, you can. And so I'd gone online and y'all, I can't make this stuff up. I found a bank of tickets up in the nosebleeds of the Superdome for $10 a piece for the final four championship game. And so I was like, anybody that wants to go, you can go. I said, the only caveat is I'm staying the entire time because I am a soak it in celebratory kind of guy. I was like, if my team wins, if my team loses, I am staying for it all. I want to see the nets get cut down. I want to stay for one shining moment. If you know, you know. If you're a true college basketball fan, you will know what one shining moment is. For the rest of you guys, you're not true fans. And so I was like, I'm staying for it all because I may never get to experience this again. And it was worth it because we won that game. And it was hands down the best mission trip I have ever been on uh, in the history of all the trips that I've gone on. But a much smaller scale, I love to celebrate small things and little things. I love to reflect. I love to remember. One of my favorite things to do in the morning after prayer and time with God, of course, as I've told you before, don't open up Facebook until you've had some time with God. And so then I go on Facebook, and one of my favorite things to do is click that little memories tab to see what was I doing 10 years ago. 
today, or what silly thing was I thought was really interesting for the world to know 12 years ago. And, and it's good for my soul. It's good for my soul to remember, and it's good for my soul to celebrate. And I hope that you follow suit with that as well. I think that you and I live in a world that is so robbed of joy that it's incumbent upon us to be people of joy and celebration and remembering and reflecting upon what he has did. And perhaps that's why I'm so excited about today, because we're continuing in this series called Celebrating God's Goodness. And what we're going to be doing is looking at this verse or these verses in the Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we're going to walk away with a clear picture of what it is that God says we should be celebrating. And some of the things that God wants us to celebrate is he wants us to celebrate what's happening in the lives of other people. He wants us to be impactful and encouraging in the lives of other people. He wants us to build other people up and to realize that we all have a part to play in the vision for what he has called us to do. In addition to that, we also get to celebrate a finish line of an initiative that we started three years ago in the life of our church called For the Kingdom. And I want to celebrate today what God has done over these past three years. Some of you are here for the very first time today, or you've been a part of Rolling Hills for you know less than a month, and you have absolutely no idea what I am talking about. And that's a-okay, because I want you today to celebrate with us and to see what it is that God has done. And for some of you, you've been tracking with this initiative, you've been faithful in supporting and investing in this initiative. And I just simply want to say thank you. Thank you for the difference that you have made. And we truly are all in this together, whether you've been a part of Rolling Hills for 18 years or you've been a part of Rolling Hills for 29 minutes. We're grateful that you're here. And God has not brought you here by accident. And I believe that he has something that he wants to teach you today. And so we'll pray to that in here in just a little bit. Now, maybe you're familiar with this old adage in leadership and life that says what gets celebrated most gets repeated. You guys ever heard that before? What often gets celebrated most in life is what gets repeated. You see this played out all the time at work. Picture it. You're at a conference room table, and uh, the boss starts handing out awards or, start handing, or starts acknowledging people for what they've done. And what does everybody else in the room do? Everybody else's eyes kind of divert to the boss, and you realize, okay, that's what she wants. That's what she's wanting us to do because she just celebrated that in him, so therefore that must mean that what, that's what I need to do, and so we'll go and repeat that behavior. If you have children, if you're a parent, a grandparent, and you have children that are you know, various ages, celebrate something with the oldest, and what does the younger, younger kids start to do? They start to think, well, I guess that's what mom and dad want me to do. And so they start repeating those same kind of behaviors because whatever you celebrate is what people will tend to repeat. I hope today that you walk away with a really clear picture from Scripture about what you should be celebrating. And when you see those things that come clearly from God, that we would say, you know what, those are the kind of things that I want to repeat. Those are the kind of things that I want to bring into my own life. And so I invite you to join me in prayer this morning as we dig into 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Lord, thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for a powerful time of worship. Thank you for just the community and the connections that we experience when we're with people. And so we thank you, God, for just this time. And we just give this day to you and pray that you would do just what, what, you, what only you can do in this place. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask these things. Amen. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, these words are going to be up here on the screen. 1 Thessalonians is a letter. It's a letter that was written by Paul, Silas, and Timothy to a church in Thessalonica, hence the name Thessalonians. And so 
You're going to hear some things in here about Timothy, but just for context purposes, I want to make sure that you're kind of clear about what has happened. Paul has just sent Timothy to go visit the church in Thessalonica. This was pre-email days, so you know if you wanted to check what was happening somewhere, you had to physically go. And so he has sent Timothy to Thessalonica to check and see what's going on at the church. And so Timothy comes back, and then Paul decides to pin these letters to send back to the church at Thessalonica. So that's the kind of context of where we are. And it starts in verse 1. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined to them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you, and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you, and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us, and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all of our distress and persecution, and we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may seek you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So what is Paul saying here? He's giving us some things. He says, we sent Timothy to you to check on you and encourage you because we miss you. And so then Timothy is reminding the church in Thessalonica, you're going to experience difficulties, you're going to experience challenges, but stay strong in the midst of the challenges. And then Timothy comes back and says, guess what? They miss you guys as well. Paul, you're writing this letter saying that you miss them. Guess what? They miss you too. And so we're so thankful that you're standing strong in the faith, Thessalonians, and we're praying for boldness, for God to come and move and strengthen you and to bless you. And all throughout this chapter, what do you see Paul and Silas and Timothy doing? They're caring deeply about this church, caring deeply about this church. Now, I want you to think about something that you started. I mean, these guys helped start this church. Sometimes when we start something, when we ask questions about how things are going, you know, if you're, if you're the boss or you're the leader of your organization and you ask your team questions about how things are going, sometimes you're not really asking how things are going. What you're wanting is a metrics report. And that's not what Paul's doing. That's not what he's saying, because he's not saying to them, you know, fourth quarter is approaching, and we see that, you know, you're, you know, you got some attrition over here, and, you know, you're not hitting certain marks on the SMART goals that we put forth. That's not at all what Paul is saying. He's saying, I care so deeply about you. Now, before you get the assumption that metrics and all those things are unimportant, they're not. But it's not what Paul was initially celebrating. He said, what I want to celebrate is you. If you were able to be here with us last week, you'll remember at the end of chapter 2, Paul said, what is my greatest joy? There is no greater joy than you. He says to the church, you are my crowning glory. You are the crowning achievement. Not everything that I have done, but people are the crowning glory. So see, Paul's passion is for God, and Paul's passion is for God working through people. In essence, you could say it's what he celebrated. He was all about celebrating God and God working through People. Now, what do I know about you and what do you know about me? Something that we all know about each other is that we're all passionate about something. 
We all have passions. We all have things that drive what we do. Sometimes apathy is a passion of ours. I'm just not going to care about that. But that's a passion that we have. We're all passionate about something. Passion drives us. And as you see here on your notes, maybe you want to follow along and write in some of these notes and reflect upon a little bit later on in the week. But your life is a celebration of something or someone. It's true of every person in this room. Your life is a celebration of something or someone. So what should we be celebrating? Go back to verse 2. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. See, for the early church leaders, it was encouraging one another in faith. It was them seeking to please God and to see his name proclaimed. How about us? Does that sound like our passion? Do we celebrate the same kind of things? When I look at my life, do I celebrate what I get to do for God? Or do I bemoan the things that I have to do for God? When I look at my own life, do I celebrate the things that God allows me to be a part of? Or do I celebrate more the things that I get to do? Do you look at what God has blessed you with as an opportunity to be a blessing to others? That's what we would call generosity. Or do you look at what God has blessed you with and excited about what you get to do for yourself? That's what we call shopping sprees. Which of those is more interesting to you? Which of those is more exciting to you? Not that either of them are wrong per se, but what Paul is saying is my life should place a high value on celebrating other people and being invested in what's happening in people that are not just me, investing in the lives of people that they were leading. And to be honest, when we invest in people and when we invest in things that will outlive us, you begin to get an opportunity to stand in the gap for people in ways that you never have before. Have you ever had somebody step into your life and offer you some quote-unquote counsel and there was zero relationship with that person? How well received was that? Probably not very well received. And you just kind of want to be like, hi, I'm Jason. Thank you for your criticism. You know, it's nice to meet you. But yet... When you have a relationship with someone, you're able to step into their lives in ways that you never could before. And what Paul is doing is he's celebrating the things that he gets to step into the lives of the Thessalonians with. Look at verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. So that no one would be unsettled by these trials, for you know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted And it turned out that way, as you well know. See, when you find great joy in celebrating other people, you're able to help them see, and you see this on your notes, that God is no less good even when you go through trials. God is no less good even when you go through trials. Because Paul had a relationship, he said, persecution is coming in your life. Adversity is coming, Thessalonian church, but you can remain strong. And I'm speaking that truth into your life so that you do not give up, so that you do not throw in the towel so to speak. Now, just by a show of hands, who is currently living a problem-free life? Anybody had a problem-free 2021? 2020, was it just, you know, up and to the right for everyone? You know, no, no issues whatsoever? So seeing no hands, um, I think it's something that we all agree on, is that life has some problems, doesn't it? It has some challenges. It has some adversities. God is no less good when you go through trials. And Paul says, those are the kind of things I should celebrate. That attitude and that, that type of living is what I should seek to replicate in the lives of other people. I promise you, as your pastor, I'm never going to be a pastor who stands up here and tells you, if you just follow God, life will never throw you any curveballs. If that's the kind of church that you're looking for, this is really not going to be a good fit for you because it's not true. 
However, I will always stand on this stage and say, when trials come your way, God is still on the throne and he has not abandoned you. It's why that song that we sang is so powerful. He is for you. He is for you. He is with you. He is with you. There is no high that you have ever gone through that God was not carrying you. And there is no low that you have gone through that God is not carrying you. And that he's not right there with you in the midst of all of that. And Paul says, these are the type of things that we should celebrate. Go back to verse 5. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. See, what is Paul saying? He was saying, I was afraid that you might quit. That the work might have been in vain, but you keep pursuing Christ. You keep doing the right things. It's as if Paul is saying, you keep running the race that is before you with faithfulness and with goodness. Verse 6, But Timothy has just come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. And he has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Now, that's an immediate sigh of relief if I'm Paul because it's nice to know that I'm also missed. Because he's writing this letter saying, I miss you, I miss you, I want to be with you. I mean, how would it have made Paul feel if the letter back from Timothy said, well, they really don't miss you, Paul. They're ready to move on to somebody else. But the fact that they both miss each other, what does that say? It meant that the relationship was tight and that they needed each other and that they found joy in each other. They were obviously celebrating together realizing they were in this together. Verse 7, So therefore, brothers and sisters, in all of our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. And there's a couple things here in verse 7 and 8 that you could pretty easily gloss over. But you catch there in verse 7 that Paul says, I'm encouraged because of your faith. And then he makes an even more significant statement in verse 8. He says, we live because you are standing firm in the faith. These are big words. He is saying, I live, my life has life because you're standing firm in the faith. And all of a sudden you realize the impact that somebody's life can have on someone else is a lot more significant than I've ever realized. That your life leads another person to say, I live because of what's happening with your faith. And you see this here on your notes. So when when I praise God, praising God for what he's doing in the lives of others, it changes my own perspective. Because the Thessalonians, they were going through adversity, so was Paul. When they're able to praise God for what's happening, regardless if it seems good or bad, it changes my own perspective. There is so much value added to my life when I'm able to praise God for what he's doing in somebody else's life. Sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we get frustrated because God is doing something in somebody else's life, and we wish our life was more like theirs. Or sometimes we completely remove God from the equation, and we compare ourselves to everybody else, and we get really, really frustrated because our house isn't as nice as their house. And my car is not as nice as her car. And my skill set is not near the skill set of that person. And that comparison trap sets in, and then jealousy kicks in, and then I get frustrated, and sometimes I get angry, I get sad that I'm not as talented as another person, or I begin to even see that I think that I'm the only one that ever goes through a problem, and that everybody else's life are just completely problem-free, and I'm the only one that's ever gone through anything difficult. And that's a lie of the enemy, by the way, because what the enemy wants to make you think is that you are unique in that, whereas the reality is we all struggle but we get to a point where we're not happy for anybody else. We're not joyful about what's happening in anybody else's life. And the fact of the matter is, if you can't be happy and joyful for what God is doing in somebody else's life, you will be miserable. 
that fell in a really quiet room. If you can't be happy and joyful for what's happening in somebody else's life, you will be miserable. And some of us are probably struggling with that right now. Comparison trap has set in so much that all we do is compare ourselves to everybody else. And instead of being happy for what's happening in other, other people's lives, we're just really, really frustrated that that's not our life. Failing to realize that some of the very things that I'm taking for granted are some of the things that other people are praying for. <laughs> some of the things that I take for granted in my own life are stories that other people wish for their life. And so just being content and reflective in those things and happy and joyful for what God's doing in somebody else's life, those are the things that we should keep celebrating because it changes our perspective and it helps us realize how good God is. But it doesn't just affect us personally. It can start weaseling its way in corporately as well. Every time, literally every time a new church opens in town, not anybody here, but every time a new church opens in town, somebody in town finds me and they ask a question for me. Did you hear there's a new church coming? What do you think about that? Did you know that so-and-so is building a new building? What do you think about their new building? And I don't know what they're expecting me to say. You know, if they're expecting me to say, curses to all the churches that's not rolling hills. I don't know if that's what they're expecting me to say. But that's not at all what I say. I say, yeah, I did hear that so-and-so is um, planning a new church here. Or, yeah, they're building a new building or whatever the case might be. And you know what? I'm happy for them. I hope more churches come. I hope that there are churches right now that have their sights set on Nolensville, Tennessee, and they're saying that's an awesome place and we need more workers there. I hope that churches thrive. I hope that every church in our community flourishes and that it's healthy and that their leaders are cared for and that strong connections happen. You and I should roll out the red carpet to what God's doing in other places. Why? Because they're not competitors. Hashtag same team. Same team. We're on the same goal. We're striving for the same type of ministry. Paul literally says, I have life because you're standing firm in your faith. Have you noticed it's really hard to get life from someone you're jealous of? People that we're jealous of, they suck the life out of us. But when we lean into the lives of people and we encourage them and build them up, we realize how much life comes to us when we celebrate what's happening in someone else's life. Keep going to verse 9 then. How then can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Take note of this. You likely underestimate the impact your life can have on another person then. You likely underestimate the impact your life can have on another person because what was Paul's prayer? Paul's prayer was that we can see you again. And when we see you, we want to help supply what's lacking in your faith. Maybe there's an area that you're weak in and that'll be an area that we're strong in. Or maybe there's something that I'm strong in and that you're weak in and that's the type of life that's worth celebrating and the ways that God wants to use you when it comes to encouragement and to being there for other people, they're innumerable. There is not a person in this room today right now that their encouragement cup is completely full. I don't think any of us, if we receive some encouragement, would say, thanks, Bob, but I'm full up right now, just overflowing, needing nothing. Those words were so kind, but if you'll come back in a couple weeks, maybe then I'll need some encouragement. No, we would say, thank you, because you all need it. We all need it. Your friends, your coworkers, your family, they need you to be a champion for them. 
and to be an encouragement for them. In fact, you have no idea the individual personal battles that people are facing in this very room. You have no idea the, what your neighbors might be going through and how your encouragement can go so far to move them in a direction that God wants them to move. I think about the power of the gospel and people that don't know Jesus. That good news of the gospel that God sent his one and only son to this earth to have life or give us life. And Jesus lived 33 sinless years and he took on a cross and he died. And three days later, they put him, or they put him in a tomb. And three days later, he burst forth from that tomb, conquering death and turmoil and all of the struggles in our life to show us that he is king and he is on the throne and he can be trusted with everything in our life. It is incredibly good news. And there are people in your sphere of influence right now that do not know and have not heard and have not accepted that beautiful, transformative power of grace and mercy in their life. And many times what they're waiting on is somebody like you to step into their life and have a conversation with them. So you likely underestimate the impact your life can have on another person. Just yesterday morning, I was kind of taken aback by what can happen when you just, just kind of listen. I was volunteering with the Veterans Day Parade and setting up some cones and blocking off some parking spots in, in, in front of one of our local businesses here in town. And someone in that business walks out, and her approach towards me uh, led me to believe that she was not happy that we were blocking off her parking. And that was, just my, that was just my assumption on the approach. And so she said, hey, can I speak to you for a minute? And I said, sure. And she said, I just want to thank you for what you're doing. Um, she said, I know that there's a parade today celebrating the veterans, and my grandfather was a veteran. And he died a little under two years ago, and he was probably one of the most significant people in my life, and I just really miss him. And I just think it's really cool what's happening today, and so thank you for, for that. And so I was kind of like, mm, well, I read the situation wrong. Here I thought she was criticizing, but she's coming to think. Great. Um, and I said, well, thank you so much. And so we chatted a little bit more, and she said, well, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And, you know, then I got the look of like, oh, that's nice. You know, and um, you know, she's slowly backing away. Um, and, uh, but she, we chatted for a little bit more, and then she turned around. She was walking away, and I said, well, thanks so much for coming out and saying hello. I said, God bless you. She stopped in her tracks. She turned around, and these big tears were welling in her eyes. And she said, it has been so long since somebody has asked God to bless my life. And I thought, <clears throat> we underestimate the impact that can be had when you just simply find the opportunities. And I would like to say that that was one that I was searching for. That was one I almost missed because I had a schedule and I had lots of cones to set up. <laughs> and I thought to myself, here's a person that just needed to be reminded God is with you. And I pray his richest blessings over your life. You and I likely underestimate the impact that just a word can have on someone else. In fact, think about your own life. Think about the people who impacted you. And I hope that there's a long list of people that come to mind. Get somebody in your mind right now. Maybe it's somebody at some juncture in your life. I hope a picture comes to your head right now. Have you ever stopped to think about who impacted that person? I have no clue. I know the people who have impacted me, but when it comes to that next layer of people that impacted the people that have impacted me, I have no clue who all those folks are, but praise God they encourage the person who impacted me. So when you think about your own life, 
When you celebrate what God is doing in somebody else's life, you have no idea what's going to happen in the generations to come. It's why I love that song that we just sang. For a thousand generations, he is with you, he is with you. Your ministry right now and your kindness and your gospel presentation, your gospel living right now is so much, 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 much more long-living than you can ever imagine. But one quick thing to remember about all of this is everything that we're celebrating. We're celebrating today what God was doing here. We're celebrating what God's doing in our midst right now, but do not let us ever think that it's about us because it is not about you. You see this here on your notes. Says, Even though God invites me into the work, he is the one accomplishing the work. God invites me into the work, but he is the one accomplishing the work. The work starts with him, is fulfilled by him. He invites me into it. Look at verse 11 and 12. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. See, you are plan A. The church is plan A for what God wants to accomplish in the world. But you're just a conduit. You are someone that God wants to work through. Not the one doing the work. He's the one doing the work. God is always at work. It's why Philippians 2.13 is so significant. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He works through you. And so even though God invites me into the work, he's the one that accomplishes the work. When I think about this last three years, um, God has done something really significant in the life of our church, and I give him all the praise and all of the credit for that. We launched out in this initiative three years ago called For the Kingdom. And For the Kingdom came uh, out as a fruition, fruition as a result of us as a church at all of our campuses at Rolling Hills seeking to just be faithful and very open-handedly say, God, what is it that you want us to do? What are these strategic spiritual steps that you want us to take? And I realize that some of you are new today. And, you know, you weren't expecting balloon arches up here. And you're wondering, what is all of this about? But I want you to hear some of these stories Specifically, there were five initiatives that we felt like God was wanting us to take. And those five initiatives were uh, adult ministry space at our Franklin campus. We needed some additional space to, to, to have ministry opportunities, whether that was classes and connections, partnership classes, all those kinds of things. We secondly knew that we wanted to invest in the next generation. And that meant preschool, elementary, middle school, high school ministry across campuses, whether that was space or staff and ministries connected to uh, the next generation. Third was a permanent home for our Nolensville campus. Three years ago, this campus was meeting at Nolensville Elementary School, setting up and tearing down every week. And we were looking and praying for a permanent home for our campus. And there was a permanent home for our Nashville campus, who at the time was meeting at Belmont University, setting up, tearing down, with kind of an end date that they needed to be off the university campus. And then there was two transitional living homes in Moldova, And we set out with these initiatives, not for our glory, but God, what do you want us to do? And let me tell you, friends, God has done immeasurably more than we could have ever asked or imagined. And today we stand at the quote-unquote finish line of this initiative, but we're really only at the beginning of the work. And we're at the initial stages of the continual work that God wants to do. And you're going to hear more even at the close of the service and see some pictures of that. In a few weeks, you're going to hear the full-scale picture of what happened as we share with you and celebrate just specifically all the things that God has done. But when I look at the list, there's a couple that really jump out at me. Number three was a big one. I was excited, and I know that you were as well, for a permanent home for our Nolensville campus. And when we set out with this initiative, we had in our mind that you know we would buy an old warehouse somewhere in Nolensville and retrofit it to 
be a church space or we would buy land and figure out where to go temporarily. And then, you know, as the church grows and as we reach more people, figure out what that next step would be. And so we had plans and they weren't really great plans, but we had plans with not a lot of specifics connected to them. But maybe you've experienced this in life where you had a plan and God says, I have a different plan. You thought it was going to be this. And God says, no, actually, it's this (laughs) that I want to do. And God wrote a story for us to merge with Revive Church that was meeting here where we're sitting right now. And we began the process over the past couple of years of our two congregations becoming one and expanding our work here at our, our new location. And when you drove up on campus this morning, you probably saw some really huge mulch piles. And as ugly as they may be to you, they are a great visual reminder to me of what God is doing. Because we've started this work of expanding and building a new building, and it's a tool. The vision of For the Kingdom has never been buildings. We didn't say that the vision was to build a building. The vision was to build homes, a home where God can come and where God can work because you are the church. I look at number five up there in Moldova. We wanted to sponsor in three years 70 kids. We were not working at all in the southern part of Moldova. And Moldova is a country in Europe. And it has the highest rate of um, young ladies trafficked into the sex industry uh, out of Moldova. And and we've been working there for years. And so we wanted to start work in the southern part of Moldova, and we needed kids. So we said 70 kids is what we need to get in our orphan sponsorship program. And then we said whatever comes in through this For the Kingdom initiative, we're going to give 10% of that off the top to the work of Justice and Mercy International to get these houses up and running and whatnot. And as of last week, we didn't have 70 kids sponsored. We have 109 kids sponsored in the southern part of Moldova. We have already given over a half a million dollars to begin the investment of buying these homes and purchasing what needs to happen. Those are only stories that God could write, but are stories that I hope that you will continue to celebrate. In fact, I hope that you never grow tired or weary of celebrating how good God is. If you wonder, what is my takeaway this morning? What's the big thing that you want me to remember this morning, Pastor Jason? Never grow tired or weary of celebrating how good God is. I want you to be known as the people when you come in the room, people are like, here comes the lady that always celebrates God. Here comes the guy that's always got a God story. Here comes the guy who always says, God's got this. Never grow tired or weary of celebrating how good God is. Look back at verse 13. May he strengthen your heart so that you'll be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Friends, don't grow tired and weary of celebrating him. I simply want to take a moment to say thank you for what you've done, and I hope that you'll not, uh, not be weary at all in celebrating the life change that happens. I, I think about what has happened over these past three years, and in, in these rooms, um, in a room like this, there are families that have sacrificed very significantly. One family was sharing with me that they took a really big step of faith in seeking to be a part of this work, and in the midst of a really uncertain job situation, their only prayer was that they would be able to remain employed long enough to fulfill the commitment that they had made to invest in God's work. And they said God was faithful and did immeasurably more than we could have ever asked. I heard a story about a a little five-year-old girl that had a couple hundred dollars that she had been saving and the parents were talking to her about, you know, being invested in what was happening. And this little girl said, I want to give to the For the Kingdom initiative. So how much do you want to give? And she's had a couple hundred dollars that she saved. And she said, I want to give $90. And the dad said, well, 
um, you know, that's a lot of what you have saved. And she said, I know. I thought, here's somebody that gave close to 50% of what they had saved. And don't you think God did not take that $90 and do something much, much more significant than we ever could? But, you know, it's really not even about those specific things. Because what's more exciting to me is I think about the faces in this room right now that were not here in 2018. And I think about the people who have been baptized at Rolling Hills that were names that we didn't even know in 2018. I think about the marriages that have been saved and the dynamics that have changed. And I don't mean that figuratively. I mean that literally. When you see over the course of ministry people who have divorce papers in hand and they shred those papers and they're leading small groups now, that's God. When I see people who have made significant trajectory changes in their life to say, you know what, I want to leave a really good, well-paying job to pursue what it is that God wants me to do and work for a fraction of what I was making, but to hear them look at you and say, but it was because of me being obedient to what God wanted me to do, and I have never been happier in my life. See, those are the stories. That's what we're truly celebrating today. I celebrate the fact that for many of you, Rolling Hills has become a home. It's become a community for you. It's become a place of connection, a place for you to live out your calling. So just like a child repeats what they see an adult celebrate, may you and I seek to repeat what God celebrates. And what God celebrates is us being involved in his work. So may we, with every breath in our lungs, with every day that God gives us, may we go out of these doors this morning and say, God, use me. Find me faithful. Use me in whatever capacity and whatever conversation and whatever business decision and whatever email and whatever visit and whatever serving opportunity, whatever it may be. God, use me to reach out, to grow up and give all. I pray each and every one of us would not grow tired or weary in celebrating how good God is. And I'm so thankful for each and every one of you being here today. And I want to ask us to pray together as we continue in our time of worship. Lord, thank you for who you are. God, there is much to celebrate today. And we thank you that you are good, and we thank you that you love us, and we thank you that you are with us. And so I pray, God, for the person in the room right now that may be struggling to, in their walk with you, in their faith journey, that you would remind them in this moment that you are here. And I thank you for the people that have um, invested their lives and their talents and their time and their treasures into something that will outlive them. And I pray that you would continue uh, to just richly... Um, Bless that obedience. We thank you, God, for um, the ways that you work and that you're the one doing the work, but you invite us into it. So, God, we're just so grateful for you, and we thank you for who you are. Thank you for an amazing morning of worship and a powerful time to celebrate you. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.